with 2020 happening, life kind of blew up around us. And we each have an opportunity to create the life that we want. And it takes hard work. And, and sometimes it takes breaks and it's a touch from the universe. When I first moved, there was like this whole like jump and the net will catch you. And I'm like, that's so wrong. It's more like jump and the net may or may not catch you, but you have to learn how to get up and walk. <laughs> You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 418 with guest Kara Bolton. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to have you here. I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long because I was gone for almost two weeks at home. I missed my dog so much. Oh my gosh, I went straight from a speaking event in Florida, flew to San Diego for, unfortunately, a funeral, spent some time with my family there, and then drove in a rental car to Las Vegas to spend it with my mom and my stepfather, and we were just gone for a long time, and it feels good to be back at work. Today is my first day back in my office chair talking to you all, and I'm excited that you're here. One thing I'm really, really pumped about is next year. Next year, 2022... I am going to switch things up a little bit on the podcast, and I I think it might be better. I'm hoping. (laughs) I tend to have a lot of ideas and just run with it. Sometimes halfway through, I'm like, this was a terrible idea. I've been that way my whole life. All right. However, for the podcast, I am going to do the themes of each episode in themes. So for instance, when we kick it off in January 2022, it's going to be a therapy theme. And the question I'm going to ask each of our experts and guests is, how do we heal ourselves? I know it's a gigantic, enormous question, but I'm going to have people on who are going to talk specifically about trauma and how to heal ourselves from that. I mean, I have a list of guests that I haven't even invited yet, so I hope they say yes because I'm telling you about it. Talking about the mother wound, I want to have a a guest on to talk about emotional regulation and boundary setting. So many, so many really cool things that we've probably, I've probably interviewed people on the show about that, but I want it to be specific so that you can listen. You know, I know a lot of you like go back and binge and you can listen to all of them and they're all on one topic instead of having this sort of mishmash, you never know what you're going to get when you come and listen to the show. Then the following, the following theme probably around March is going to be all about relationships. Doesn't matter if you are, if you are um, partnered up or not. And we're certainly not just going to talk about heterosexual relationships. I want to talk about all of our relationships, friendships, etc. We are going to have a theme on spirituality and creativity and how that helps us, self-care, specifically women's health. We're going to have a theme on feminism. Anyway, I'm really pumped about it. I hope that <laughs> I hope that it goes well. I can't see why it wouldn't, but I'm really excited for that, so stay tuned. Side note, This might be a little bit of a long intro. Sorry, not sorry. 
I will maybe talk about this at length later, but I just got to throw this out there like a can you relate? Have you ever gotten off an anti-anxiety or antidepressant in your life? I have done it once and it was misery. This was back in, I believe, I can't even remember. It was sometime like in the mid 2000s, somewhere around there. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. (laughs) And I don't say this to discourage people from getting on them. They are life-changing. They are absolutely the answer to many people who have mental health challenges like myself. So I am getting off of one right now and it's been about a week and I tapered off of it. Please, please, please see a doctor before you do this. Don't quit cold turkey. I've tried that before and it was a complete disaster. But anyway, you have to taper off. And I'm totally done. It's been about a week. And I thought that it would subside by now. And it's it's not. And it's they call them brain zaps. My girlfriend and I way back in the day used to call them isms. We didn't have a name for it. But it's the weirdest feeling and I'm still having them. And I really wish that I wasn't. I really wish that it would go away. Anyway, I just wanted to put that out there because I like to overshare. All right, what do we have next? I am so excited because it is going to be limited quantity. Who needs a Christmas gift for that person in your life who is into personal development and you don't know what to get her or them or him? I am offering only 10 of these. It is a bag, a tote bag, reusable grocery bag, shopping bag, if you will, And it has the Make Some Noise logo on it. It's so cute. There's a picture of it on my Instagram. And all three of my books, 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, and Make Some Noise, all signed, personalized to whomever you want me to personalize it to, plus a little special gift note in there. And unfortunately, because shipping is so astronomical to other parts of the country, and I only have 10, we are going to have these available only to U.S. addresses only. AndreaOwen.com slash holiday. It's a great holiday gift, if I do say so myself. And I will do my best. I will do everything in my power to get it to you before the Christmas holiday. So AndreaOwen.com slash holiday. And then the last announcement I have is that if you missed getting your personalized nameplate, it's a sticker that goes inside of your book. It's It says make some noise on it. But you don't have to put it in your make some noise book. You can use it as a bookmark. You can put it on your refrigerator. You can put it on your bathroom mirror if you like to put stickers on your mirror, which I know a lot of people don't, but you know, there might be some of you out there who do. I will personalize and sign it to you. I know some of you missed it. Some of them came back to me, by the way. If you didn't get yours and you're like, hello, I put in my form, some of them came back to me and then we emailed people and we didn't hear from you because of spam and stuff like that. So just, I'm sorry, fill out the form again, andreaowen.com slash MSN. And those of you that missed it, head over there. Get your free sticker. I will snail mail it to you no matter where you are in the world. And it's free. It's totally free. You only have to put in your receipt number on that form if you bought five or more copies because there's special bonuses for that. So if you're just getting the nameplate, all we need on the form is your name, your email, where you purchased the book, because we're just curious, and we're just nosy like that, and your mailing address. That's all. That is all. AndreaOwen.com slash M. S-N. Stands for make some noise. All right, everybody. Thank you for your patience with this longer than usual intro. I had a a lot of words to get out. And I'm going to tell you about our very fascinating guest today. 
Kara is has such an intriguing story about the project that she has has taken on. So let me let me read you her bio so you can hear a little bit about it and we we talk about it in the interview. All right. For those of you that don't know her, Kara Bolton is a writer, filmmaker, and CEO of Woodbine Films. She specializes in first-person personal narratives that excavate joy from trauma. Currently, she is directing her first feature documentary, Return of the Black Madonna, and writing a book, Water in My Bones, about her epic quest to learn to swim, dive, and map sunken slave ships with Black marine archaeologists. The film is now in production. A former CNN.com contributor, Kara examined the intersection of race, gender, politics, and pop culture. Kara's articles have been named among the year's top culture stories featured on CNN's international channels and translated into Portuguese. Kara is based in a beautiful beach community in the Mexican Caribbean, where she loves to eat and sing at Mexican karaoke. So without further ado, here is Kara. Kara, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited to have you. I am acquainted with you via Charlie Gilkey, who always sends me the most amazing people. And I finally clicked on your website and was reading about the projects that you have. And I was like, okay, I have so many questions. And this was like two weeks ago. <laughs> I was just excited to dive in and, and hear more about this. And so I want to start with you. I want you to tell us about the projects that you that you do. And I'm also interested in, so you had a fear of, was it open water or swimming in general? Both, both swimming both. And, and fear of open water. Yes. Okay. And so you dove into, no pun intended, honestly, dove into this project that, that entailed that. So I'm going to let you talk about it. What did you do surrounding that fear? Okay. Well, um, there are a couple of things that I'm doing around it. I'm learning how to swim, dive and map for sunken slave ships. Okay. And, and by dive, you mean like scuba diving, scuba diving. And I am documenting these journeys in a book called Water in Thy Bones and a feature film documentary called Return of the Black Madonna. Okay. So how did it take us? I I would, I would love to, for you to take us like a little bit of a play-by-play, like the first, did you learn how to swim in a pool first or did you just go right into the water? Like what did, what was that like? I'm still learning how to swim actually. Okay. Um, Because of COVID I'm now on my third swim instructor. And so I started in the pool and then like COVID hit and we were all in quarantine. And so I was basically sticking my head in a pot of water to learn how to breathe. Oh and my then gosh. my current, <laughs> so that was part of it. And then my current swim instructor, who is like the best, she started me out in a pool and we tried different kinds of pools. And then she's like, well, let's go to the ocean. And I'm like, that sounds really scary. And so she and her husband have a boat and they took me out to this gorgeous lagoon and I could touch my feet on the ground. And so I learned how to be in the ocean for the first time in December. And so then we go out, we went out to the lagoon a couple of times to different lagoons. So she's trying to get me to swim in different kinds of environments. Okay. So like, how's it going? Is it going pretty well with the being in the water and learning how to swim? 
it's scary. Like I go through the same thing. And because my swim lessons aren't consistent because of the weather and just, you know, life happening, but usually it's kind of like I reorient myself to the water. She sets a goal for me, like back floating is the scariest thing for me. Um, it's just like, there's nothing holding me up. Right. Yeah. And, and your so, ears are under the water and yeah. you can't hear very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she sets a goal and I'm like, I'm afraid. And she says, yes, <laughs> you're mm-hmm. afraid. And so we sort of acknowledge what the fear is. And then I try it, whatever the thing is. And then I do it and I do it a couple of times and then we go on to the next thing. So it's a very peaceful process. And the fact that the fear is acknowledged, I find my courage and I continue to move. And Lydia is a fantastic swim instructor because she really knows my strengths and weaknesses. And so, for example, my arms aren't being as active as they could be. My legs are like these powerhouses. Mm -hmm. My arms are kind of like, "Mm, we're just hanging out. And my legs are like, we are not drowning, not on my watch. (laughs) (laughs) What's it called? The egg beater in water polo? Yeah. Okay. So she says, like, use the strength of your arms. Don't think about your fear. Use your strength in your arms. And so when I'm in the water, I think about that strength and I come up. And so there's like, I still have a lot to go because like I kind of swim for a little bit and then I forget that I need to breathe and I haven't Mm -hmm. like mastered like lifting my head from the water and then going back down yet. So there is a lot. And then I've got snorkeling and then I have like 30 dives. Like it's a whole process. It's a whole process. Well, Well, I share that fear with you. And I also decided to uh, fear of open water. And I also have something super strange called submechanophobia, where it's it's fear of partially submerged man-made objects. So I especially am afraid of pool drains, any kind of like water treatment centers, even just talking about it makes the hair stand up and on the back of my neck. Anyway, I decided to sign up for a sprint triathlon to face my fear of open water swimming. And it is scary. And especially I have found with swimming is that if you panic, (laughs) (laughs) it's not the best place to be when you panic. And I imagine scuba diving, you have to really be not okay just with the water, but also with the apparatus and the breathing and I guess I'm trying to say like, you have to be very well with your self-management coping mechanisms. Yes. And so, so one of the things that Lydia says is respect the water, but trust yourself. So all the skills that she's teaching me to swim is just in case something goes wrong, I'll know what to do. Okay. And then um, my dive instructor will be Natalie, who's a fantastic instructor she was my swim instructor, but she had to leave to take care of her parents during COVID. She's also sort of teaching me that, like, how to be comfortable. And if something goes wrong, what can I do? And to really kind of give me that comfort level that I can solve my own problems. Excellent. Okay. I love that. Trust the water. Or no, what is it? Trust the water. It's a, uh, respect the water. Trust yourself. Trust yourself. Oh, I love that. Okay. So tell us about diving for sunken slave ships. So is this something that you'd want to do, wanted to do for a long time? How did you come about having that be a passion of yours? 
well, this sounds kind of crazy, but I have been sort of haunted by images of my ancestors since I was a little girl. And it got- That doesn't sound crazy at all to me. Like (laughs) probably the majority of the people that listen to this show. (laughs) And I don't mean like it was like poltergeist. It's like these kind of visitations, so to speak. Uh And I never said anything because I don't want to sound like a crazy person. Um, But in 2016, they intensified. I was filming my first uh, documentary web series called Detroit Rising. And I was in a museum that had a replica of a slave ship. And it had like the noises, like the sounds, the mannequins that were like packed in. And I fell to my knees and I started crying. Oh my gosh. And I was sobbing in this public place. And I was so embarrassed because I'm like, what if people come by and they see me just crying? So I picked myself up off the floor and I went on with it. But um, it was just like synchronicity events. Like um, someone sent me. Um, a documentary link of there's a National Geographic short documentary about women who are diving for sunken slave ships. And I was like, I want to do that. And so in these strange experiences all lined up and I decided like, I thought I was filming one documentary and I'm like, yeah, so remember that idea? (laughs) You know, we're not doing that. I'm going to learn how to swim, dive and map sunken slave ships. That's what this film is going to be. I I watched your your short trailer about the project and and I I I found it so I I had a moment where I got teary-eyed when you were talking about how you know so many people know who their ancestors are or at least you know their lineage especially with the um, popularity of of DNA testing and 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 things like that but and that you don't know yours and that was another reason you were you were drawn to this Yes. And um, so I'm actually between that time and now I have done some genealogical research. And I found, for example, that on my both my mother and father's side, that I had like great, great, great grandfathers who were among the first African Americans to register to vote. After the Civil War, they they voted in 1867, they registered to vote in 1867. And that is huge to know that my lineage includes among the first black men to vote in the United States from Georgia. That's like amazing. Yeah. And I just took the um, matrilineal DNA testing. How did that go for you? Well, I mean, I'm, I'll find out between May and June about okay. what my results are. And then I'm going to do another test that like further narrows it down to like the communities where I might possibly be from. Oh my gosh. I would love an update. <laughs> it, does it take that long to, to have that done? It takes eight to 12 weeks. Okay. And uh, my guess is that my family's from Senegambia because mm-hmm. of their portrait, their port of entry. So most of my um, ancestors are from the Carolinas and Georgia and this, the, the captive Africans brought to those ports were from Senegambia because those were the Africans in that part of the the Western coastal region of the continent were good at growing rice and beans and things that became staples part of the Southern diet in the United States. So I'm guessing that's where my family is from, but we'll find out. That's, oh my gosh, how uh, emotional. Like I, I imagine it is even just the waiting. I I can't remember where I was or what I was doing. I had I had my 
you know, my, my DNA tested and, and, and I wasn't that surprised of, of what it said. That's when I got interested in the, the MDNA. And, yeah. and, and for people that don't know what that is, it's, it's tracing back your mother's 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 mother all the way back to quote unquote Eve to the, you know, the, <laughs> the first one. And I, I thought to myself when I, I posted actually about it on Facebook and there was so many different people had, had done that. I was, I was really surprised. And there was one of my Facebook friends had called, she was like, she's like a biologist. So she has some background in understanding it, but she said that when she got the results, it was like this map and you can Google it and, and, and you'll, you'll see examples. It's this map that shows the migration of all of your mothers ac- across all of the lands. And she called them to find out how to read it because it was super confusing and it was so fascinating. And I, it made me think these women, what they have gone through, especially black women who are descendants of slaves, indigenous women, so many <laughs> just even just give like bearing children where that when there wasn't running water and electricity yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know and so much joy and and love and all of those fantastic things too but but the trauma and the the hardships that they must have dealt with like blows my mind and it makes me emotional if i think about it too long so i'm i'm imagine it's the same for you yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, when my ancestors arrived to the United States, they were property. So they were um, automatically sold. And so their children didn't belong to them. So in the, the transatlantic slave trade, most of the captive Africans went to the Caribbean and Brazil. But in the United States, there was a lot of forced breeding. And that's mm-hmm. why we have such a large population in the United States compared to other places. So my foremothers' lives were not their own. Their children were not their own. They could be sold at any time. Their bodies were bred. Um, They were often tortured. So that's kind of the reality of the trauma. And yes, there's joy and creativity and humor and food and all of the good things. But, you know, that trauma is very much the part of it. Is that part of the quest for diving for sunken slave ships is is sort of to, to for your own healing or and or is it more than that? It's yeah, yes and because mm-hmm. um, in my research I found that there's a, a slice of epigenetics that um, that deals with black communities and that there have been adaptive behaviors as a result of the slave trade and what is called American chattel slavery by Dr. Joy DeGruy who is the person who wrote. Um, the post, I think she calls it the post-slave distress syndrome, but it, mm-hmm. it's called PTSD, basically. And um, and so I believe that uh, our fear of swimming in open water, which is uh, many African-Americans, many Black people have that fear, we share that. I think it's an adaptive behavior. So in learning how to swim and then diving, I'm essentially trying to change my neuropathways and my heritable DNA so that I can literally write a new story for my family. Even though I don't have children and I'm the last of my line, I'm still doing this for a legacy. I love that so much. I mean, obviously I don't love the origin story, but just, and and anyone who's unfamiliar with epigenetics, please Google it and, and read some of the research that's, it's so fascinating and important to know about. 
I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from some of our sponsors. One of the things I've noticed that helps my energy levels now that I've gotten a little bit older is increasing my protein. And it can be challenging to find recipes, plan them, shop, then cook. And that's where Green Chef has come in to help tremendously. With Green Chef, you get hand-picked organic vegetables and premium proteins so you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. They save you time by taking care of the meal planning, the grocery shopping, and most of the prep for you week after week so you don't have to. Two. Yes, please. Green Chef offers 35 nutritious and flavorful options to choose from every week, which I feel like is the perfect amount to choose from, featuring premium clean ingredients that are seasonally sourced for peak freshness. Green Chef is America's number one meal kit for eating well, with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. Go to greenchef.com slash kickass10 and use code kickass10 to get 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash kickass10 and use code kickass10 to get 10 free meals, including free shipping. Are you looking for the perfect gift idea for the organized or maybe someone who wants to be organized person in your life? Let me tell you about the Skylight Calendar. The Skylight Calendar displays your family events on a simple touchscreen device and lets everyone in the family know what's going on. It's super easy to use and syncs to already existing calendars like Google, Outlook, and Apple calendars. It's an easy way to keep family members in the loop. The kids will know when they're going to soccer practice. Your partner will know when you have dinner plans. It's all in the calendar for everyone to see. We keep ours on the kitchen counter. Everybody walks by it. Everybody sees that skylight calendar. You can also use it to manage your grocery list, chores, meal plans, to-do list, and it's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love the skylight calendar, you'll receive a full refund. I've been really dying to tell you about this because I'm obsessed with it. And now, as a special offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a skylight calendar when you go to skylightframe.com slash calendar and enter code NOISE. That's right. $10 off your purchase of a Skylight calendar. Just go to skylightframe.com slash calendar and enter code NOISE. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash calendar, promo code NOISE. So you all have heard me be very candid about my mental health journey and the challenges that I've faced. And many of the guests that I interview here on the podcast are licensed therapists. So it's obvious that I encourage everyone to go to therapy and, and have that support. And that's why I'm proud to have BetterHelp as one of our sponsors, because there's so many things I love about their service. When you sign up for BetterHelp, they'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video, or phone sessions. It doesn't just have to be via text. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Licensed professional counselors specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflicts, which I know can get a little wonky over the holidays, LGBTQ matters, grief, and their service is available for clients worldwide. 
worldwide. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash kickass. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that is betterhelp.com slash kickass. And by the way, if you ever forget any of the the codes or the URLs, you can go to andreaowen.com slash sponsors and everything is there. And thank you so much for supporting our sponsors because that in turn supports this show. I'm curious, what do you plan on doing? I mean, I know you're going to you're going to make the documentary and write the book. Mm-hmm. And do you have plans after that? Like, is it a speaking tour? Do you want to go into schools and talk about this? What are the plans? I would love to do all of the above, you know, to really talk about, uh, there are two impact campaigns that I will have as part of the film. One is um, to promote strong, safe swimming in black communities. And there's a group that's called the black swim moms. And they're often the moms who take their kids in for swimming, but they don't go swimming themselves um, because they may be afraid of the, um, the swimming in the open water. So if they see me in my like 47, 48 year old body in the water, then maybe they'll feel encouraged that you're never too old to swim. And then the other part that I want to do is trauma informed care for black women and girls. Um, because there is a tragedy um, that happened to me when I was 17 years old, that kind of that I talk about in the film, I don't talk about it in the book. And so it's a form of trauma that I'm trying to work through, um, through learning how to swim and die. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And I'm just out of curiosity, are there, are there slaves? I'm assuming that there's slave ships that, that certain, are they called what are they called? The people who, um, who like map underwater? Yes. Yeah, so the marine archaeologists. So the group okay. is called Divers with a Purpose, and they're predominantly African American, although it's a you know a mixed race group of um, ar- marine archaeologists who are dedicated to heritage and conservation. So just like making sure that those slave ships, like they're documenting what's going on with them. I haven't gotten anywhere near the training yet because I'm like, I just need to qualify, you know, so I'm like <laughs> doing one step at a time. Otherwise, I just get freaked out. Yeah. When you die for and, and you go see these, like you leave them alone. It's just about, like you said, preservation or are they do they take anything out in terms of like wanting to study them or anything like that? They just leave them alone. They just leave it alone. They have a, a course every year that you have to apply for. And and the course you go down and I think you just kind of document what's going on. And um, they have the different factors that you're supposed to look out for. So like during the mornings, they teach you what you're to look out for. And then the afternoons, you do the dives. Okay. So you wrote an article for CNN and then kind of the universe intervened. And will you tell us about that in the docuseries? Oh, yeah, my world went crazy. So um, basically, I was a political communications consultant in Raleigh um, and decided that that was no longer the life for me and came to Mexico. And I moved here about 10 days after my mother died. So I was kind of like a nervous wreck. But I had all my communications consultant, uh, my clients, everyone's like, yes, you know, well, within the year, all of them basically fired me. And they're like, no, we want someone local. And it's like, you could have told me that like before I left so that I could find new business. 
So I lost all my clients within a year. I was on Facebook of all places and I responded to a friend's article about Eminem criticizing Donald Trump. And I made this little comment and it, lo and behold, my friend was also the breaking news editor for CNN's um, webpage. Mm-hmm. And within an hour of saying something snarky about that, I had a contract to write for CNN. It's <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. God is a woman. And she, (laughs) it's so funny. Like you. Yeah. Your lucky day. (laughs) I wrote an article called how black women saved democracy and Alabama. And so a man named Ted Wachtel, who is a restorative practices, um, pioneer in Pennsylvania, he founded a graduate school. It's called the international Oh gosh, I just forgot it that <laughs> but um, it's IIRP, the International Institute for Restorative Practices, and it's yeah. the world's first accredited graduate school that is dedicated solely to restorative practices. And I can explain that in a second. And so he's like, you know, he called me up and he's got this thick New Jersey, Pennsylvania accent. He's like, Cara, like, I, you know, can you write for me? And so I started working with him. And so restorative practices is sort of an it's called the science of relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's really about, you can use it proactively in terms of like, instead of having boring staff meetings, like doing check-ins, you can have check-ins at home with your family. It's like a, a range of, I would call it like questions and protocols that can be either be proactive or responsive to when harm has occurred. Mm-hmm. And um, you use them to restore relationships, repair harm, build social capital among people. And so it's basically like, how do we relate to each other, especially when things go wrong? How do we resolve conflicts between each other and ourselves? So he sent me on, he sent me to Detroit to, to research how restorative practices are practiced in the city of Detroit, which is going, it's on track to become the United States first restorative city. And which means that they are committed to using restorative practices in nearly every sector of the city. So schools, courts, the police department, especially in community policing. And it works with the premises that people um, are willing to um, accept authority and make positive changes when those in authority work with people rather than doing things to or for them. And so in a, com- in a community policing sense, it's more of we're all in this together to create a safe neighborhood, not us versus them. Mm-hmm. From a parenting standpoint, it's we're here to create a solid family. And how do we do that as a family, not parent versus child or husband versus or spouse versus spouse? Mm-hmm. So that's how it works. And so Ted then came up with the idea to film some of what I discovered and that became a five-part docuseries called Detroit Rising and we really went in um, we went to Hope Academy which is a charter school in Detroit and we filmed student-teacher interactions we filmed administrators we went to the court systems so we really got a chance to show people what restorative practices looks like in everyday life and where well where can people watch that docuseries 
It's on Vimeo. It's available okay. for rent. I'll give you the links for that. Thank you. And it sounds so was was part of the documentation so other cities can see it and yeah. hopefully okay. And Detroit, I mean they were they are, and and please forgive me if I'm if I'm not understanding but Detroit really sort of fell apart for lack of a better term wasn't it in the 80s when mm-hmm. the 70s. it was you know cuz they were yeah 70s and 80s when they were a thriving city and then everything they were the 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 car capital of of the United States yeah and one of the wealthiest cities i from what i understand yes yes and people there was mass migration out of the city and mm-hmm. uh, there were a lot of hoarded homes crime and poverty and they had redlining that they suffered from. So it was like this whole volatile mix of forces. It's easy to go into Detroit and do the pain porn, which is to point out all of the bad things that were happening. And I was really intentional about telling a positive story because these are people who are in the trenches day in and day out, and they're doing wonderful things and positive things, and you, you hardly ever hear about them. And I really wanted to shine a light on them. Restorative practice sounds similar to uh, when Brene Brown talks about power within versus power over, sort of leveling the playing field when it comes to power and sharing it versus versus wielding it over others in, in like, a, like a dictatorship type of way. So that's amazing. So interesting that the universe was just like, Kara, <laughs> yes, yes. look over here. <laughs> I literally was on the beach wondering what I was going to do with my life. I had no money. I like I started this online course for activists. No one signed up. Like oh. and I'm just like I don't know how I'm going to make money and I'm crying and I get a call from Ted on the cell phone who's like you want to work with me. Isn't that amazing? Oh my gosh. Okay. So the documentary if I'm not mistaken is called Return of the Black Madonna. Is that correct? Yes. Can you tell us about that title? Well, it, the title really is about transforming pain into purpose because of the trauma. And it's symbolized by the Black Madonna, who um, for different people symbolizes different things, but mostly hope and regeneration. And so when I say return of Black Madonna, for me, it's return of hope and rewriting the story, both genetically and within my spirit. That's so beautiful. I I absolutely love that. And so tell us more about this documentary. I consider it both an offering and a service. And it's a full link feature documentary, we hope. (laughs) And it follows me as I learn to swim and dive in that sunken slave ships. We are in early production because of COVID. Um, and we've had some changes, but I have a new director of photography that I'm super excited about because he's also skilled in underwater photography. We are shooting in June. It'll be our first underwater shoot. And we're going to do some oceans. We're going to do a couple of pools. We're going to do a cenote. And to get those gorgeous underwater shots that everybody expects from a film like this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really, really excited about it. I, you know, I just, I couldn't be happier to be, to have this as part of my purpose. I saw that you were, because documentaries are very expensive to make. <laughs> yes, they are. And they're not very glamorous because it's a lot of paperwork. Like I wish I Is did. It? Yes. It's like, I'm doing paperwork, applying for grants and, you know, 
filming is such a small part of what I actually do. And from what I've been told, grant writing is no joke. Like it is its own craft uh, all on its own. And we'll definitely put, put the link in there. I'm happy to donate to the documentary. I think it's such an important, important project. And so how is, how is your book, which is called, is it called Water in My Bones? Water in My Bones. How is that different from the documentary? Well, in the, um, in the book, I go more into the epigenetics piece and I talk about the history of um, the relationship between um, uh, captive Africans all the way to African-Americans in the United States and our history to water and why, because a lot of people will say, well, I don't know why black people don't swim. They don't want to get their hair wet, but it's so much deeper than that. And there's so many more layers to that. So I talk about those layers and I talk about the history and then the epigenetics. And then within my own family and the trauma, not around swimming in open water, but the bodily trauma that we've experienced. And so it's more of, um, I guess I would call it both a memoir and a personal issue book, but there's lots of good stuff in there about history and science and all of these places of intersection. I am excited for it to come out and 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 the documentary as well. Well, was there before we close? Was there anything that you want to circle back to, even if it's a new topic that you want to make sure that you say um, to feel complete? I think that you know a kick-ass life is available to anyone. Um, you have to make the sacrifices in order for it to happen. When I first came to Mexico, there was a line like you don't want to blow up your life. And, you know, with 2020 happening, life kind of blew up around us. Right. And we each have an opportunity to create the life that we want. And it takes hard work. And and sometimes it takes breaks and a a touch from the universe. But, um, you know, when I was, when I first moved, there was like this whole like jump and the net will catch you. And I'm like, that's so wrong. It's more like jump and the net may or may not catch you, but you have to learn how to get up and walk. So that's that is it. very true. Sometimes the net does not appear. <laughs> no, I have begged for this net, but then, you know, it, something happened. I didn't have to fall forever. So mm-hmm. I learned that I fell on my face and I continue to fall on my face, but I get up and I walk. Yes. I love that. Resilient. I have found that resilience is the key, not expecting a net. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And so, I mean, I know it's not, you know, we didn't talk about it, but yeah, I think that we have to be resilient and call on our community for help and rest when we need to. A hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Positively. Thank you so much for being here. Where do you want people to go exactly to learn more about you or the documentary or the book? I know you're at carabolton.com. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. Film Collaborative is my fiscal sponsor. And so they can go donate to the film through tax deductible donations. And I will give you guys the link for that too. Perfect. That will be in the show notes. And everyone, thank you so much for your time. You know how appreciative I am of that and that you choose to spend your time with me and my guests. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everyone. Hi there. Swinging back by to say one more thing. You know how I'm always giving advice over here on the show and on social media, and a couple of those things is that I'm always telling you to ask for what you want, be clear about it, and also ask for help. So I am taking a dose of my own medicine, and I'm going to do that right now. 
It would be the absolute best and mean the world to me if you reviewed and subscribed to this show, Make Some Noise Podcast, on whatever podcast platform of your choice. And even more importantly, it would matter so much if you shared this show. Sharing the show is one of the few ways the podcast can grow, and that also gives more women an opportunity to make some noise in their lives. You can do that by taking a screenshot when you're listening on your phone and sharing it in your Instagram or Facebook stories. If you're on Instagram, you can tag me at HeyAndreaOwen, and I try my best to always reshare those and give you a quick thank you DM. And also, you can tell your friends and family about it. Tell them what you learned. Tell them a really awesome guest that you found on the show that you started following. Whatever it is, I appreciate so much you sharing about this show. 